Uh, well, um, it's, uh, I've been a few years since I've been here, uh, and it's always lovely to come and, and uh, minister with you guys. Uh, thank you, Pastor Andrew, for the kind invite to come this morning. This special occasion uh, when you're inducting uh, a new and commissioning new pastors, a new, a new pastoral team, which is very exciting, but also being commissioned as a church as well. I love this whole idea of uh, the window of being looking outward to the world. And that's what the church is always meant to be, on mission with Jesus uh, to the world, coming, gathering together so that we can scatter uh, into the world and participate in the mission of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? Well, this morning I want to just share a few words and a few thoughts uh, from the book of uh, uh, Exodus chapter 4, if you've got a Bible, you might like to turn to Exodus chapter 4, uh, and uh, I'm just going to read uh, that passage I'm going to share a few thoughts from this morning. Exodus chapter 4, uh, verses 2 uh, to 5. And the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? So the Lord said to Moses, what's in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Uh, Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake, and he ran from it. And the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that uh, they may believe that the God, uh, the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Uh, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Uh, so this morning, uh, the, this uh, awkwardness happens uh, that, you know, as part of COVID, COVID's changed a lot of our lives. Exhibit A, which you're all sort of wearing, uh, we call it a new fashion accessory now, uh, have your mask on your sleeve when you haven't got it on your face. It's, COVID's uh, changed our lives in a number of ways, uh, check-ins and, you know, um, having to check in on that app and then you know, get the green tick if you've got that and, and all, all the, the shutdowns and lockdowns. But one of the big things is how we greet each other. There's always this awkward, are we shaking hands? I asked Matt this morning, are we shaking hands? And he said, it's all good. <laughs> but you know, some people aren't comfortable with that, so you bump elbows. And it got me thinking about how we greet each other. And some of the, it's, it's quite amazing how some of the other different cultures of the world greet each other. So the Maoris greet each other by touching noses, which I think is probably a no-go with COVID. Uh, Ethiopians touch shoulders, which probably you could get away with that. Uh, in the Dominican Republic of Congo, uh, male friends touch foreheads. Wow, I hope they don't bring that in here. Although I think the Scots sort of developed that into the Glasgow kiss, if you know what that's all about then. That's a soccer thing, I think. Uh, and then the, in Asian countries, people bow. In some European countries and Arab countries, they, they kiss and hug, um, probably pre-COVID. But for us, and many and most people, it's the handshake, isn't it? And, and when I looked at where the handshake comes from, uh, it's from uh, around the 5th century BC, they believe, in Greece, and it was a way ensuring that the person you were interacting with didn't have any weapons in their hands, so they weren't a threat to you. And so coming with an open hand, with a, with a, 
a hand that says, I am unarmed. The uh, Romans took it a step further and, and clutched the forearm for a shake, just to make sure there's nothing up the, up the sleeve. And I uh, believe that the, the proper shaking came in from the, in the Middle Ages when the knights actually shook each other's hands to make sure that they'd rattle out any weapons that might have been in there. So it's all about safety and it's all about uh, having good faith and goodwill. And that's what the, the handshake is. to say, I have an open hand and an open heart and, and I, I'm coming in good faith to interact with you. Uh, now, God uh, asked Moses in his encounter at the burning bush what was in his hand. Whoop, sorry, gone too many clicks. Can we go back? There we go. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And Moses replied, a staff. Now, I, um, I, I, you know, it's very hard to come by a shepherd's staff, but um, so I found that the closest thing I had at my house, which was this, um, the sheep are very small at my place. It's more like a hamster staff, really, that one. You know, uh, guinea pigs, maybe, rounding up the guinea pigs. But, you know, the shepherd's tool of trade was a staff. Uh, that guy's got a proper one with a hook on the end. And so the staff was a way of controlling the sheep. It was a way of um, protecting the sheep. It was a way of managing them. It was actually uh, symbolic of, of uh, Moses' tool of trade. It was the, his vocation. It was a symbol of his vocation, a symbol of his work, a symbol of, of his livelihood, uh, a symbol of control, uh, a symbol of security, perhaps. It represented his job. It was a powerful symbol that he had there. And, you know, we all have, like Moses, something in our hands, you know, some symbol that uh, may reflect the role or work we have. You know, if you're a barista, maybe you have this in your hand. Most of us have one of these in our hands in the morning, but it's not really our job to have a cup of coffee in our hands. But if we're a barista or we work in the hospitality industry, we might have that in our hands. Some of us might be a taxi driver, an Uber driver, or a race car driver, you know, or, or maybe aspire to be one. Uh, maybe we have a, a role where we, we drive a car a bit. And maybe we're a painter, you know, and that's, that's, our, that's the equivalent of our shepherd's staff in our hands. Or, or maybe you're a builder and you've got one of these in your hand uh, as part of your trade. Uh, maybe you work in an office and uh, you've got a stapler or some other office equipment in your hand. Maybe you're a mechanic and you've got one of these in your hand. Uh, when I was a farmer, this was the only tool you needed. It was a hammer, it, was, it uh, did everything, any sort of nut, and uh, it, usually they were busted up and, and not working properly. Anyway, maybe you're an electrician and you have one of these in your hand. Uh, maybe you're a handy person and you use the duct tape, which, you know, pretty much fixes everything. Maybe you're a first responder and you have a first aid kit in your hand or something that symbolises helping people uh, with medical uh, crises. Or maybe you're a, a doctor or a nurse and you have a better one of these. This one came out of my grandkids' play cupboard. <laughs> the old place desk. It doesn't work, by the way, but my, don't tell my grandkids. They don't know that. And, uh, or maybe you're in retail and uh, you have one of these in your hand. Uh, it's, it, I don't know about you, but I always go to the shops and go, oh, I forgot my bags <laughs> and I've got to buy them again, which is annoying. But maybe, you have that. maybe you're retired and you're, you're living off your pension or you're living off your superannuation and this is, this is in your hands. You know. But I, I, I would argue that we all have something in our hands. 
And, and here's Moses uh, before God, and God's saying, what's in your hand? What is the means, what is the symbol of your work and your security? It's that shepherd's staff. Now, God invites us uh, and invited Moses to surrender that, that, that work and that life afresh to him, to consecrate himself to God. And God said to him, throw it on the ground. So he throws the staff on the ground. Now, here's God doing business with Moses. This is the account of the burning bush, which is the context of it, where Moses is out tending his flocks. Moses has fled from Egypt uh, because he, he's brought up in Pharaoh's house, understands that he's uh, a Jewish, uh, of Jewish descent and sees one of his Jewish people being afflicted one day and kills the Egyptian afflicting him, gets found out and flees. He's a, an exile and he, and he ends up out in the wilderness uh, tending sheep with his father-in-law for 40 years. And then all of a sudden he sees this bush one day that's burning but not getting consumed. He goes, hello, that's different. So he goes and has a look at it. And God starts speaking to him. And God starts doing a work in his life, a work of consecration that's leading to a commissioning. Now this, this is holy ground here. God says to him in Exodus 3 verse 5, do not come any closer, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. This was a place where God was appearing to Moses and doing business with him and he's saying to Moses, cast that down in your hands. What's in your hands? What's your means of security? What is the thing that you're holding on to? Put it down, lay it down before me. And so God's inviting Moses to a place of surrender, a place of consecration, a place of handing over of things that he may have trusted in to this point and inviting him into a deeper relationship with God, a, a place of empowerment, a, a place of commissioning. God was inviting Moses to a new place. You see, there's this whole idea of displacement, that you can't receive something until you've let go of something. You can't receive something from God while you're holding on to something that is stopping you receiving. And so God's saying to Moses, lay that down, lay it down. Now, Moses does that, okay? And, and God shows him something about what he was holding in his hands, that there's a danger in holding back from God. So Moses threw his staff on the ground, it became a snake, and he fled from it. And, and I think that there's something in that for us, that the things that we hold on to, uh, and, and some of the things that we hold on to are neutral, they're not, they're not bad in themselves. It's, it's one of God's good gifts to work. Uh, work was actually uh, created before the fall for, for humanity, for mankind. Adam and Eve worked in the garden before they sinned against God. It was only after they sinned that work became burdensome, that work became hard, that work became a toil. And so it, it, work is a good thing. But like all of God's good gifts, when they're put above God, they can be a threat, they can be a danger. Anything that we look to for security, for purpose and meaning and identity apart from God can be a threat to us. And I believe that's what God was uh, sort of showing to Moses in this, that uh, work is a good thing, but when uh, it's put above God, it becomes an idol. When it's something that we put our security in or a way of saying we have control over our lives, uh, it can become a bad thing. And I think God's revealing to Moses that this staff with an extension of his occupation might seem harmless but unless it's put in its right perspective it can be a dangerous thing so, whoa look out look out 
Oh, yes. It's not real. No, that's right. I um, bought this rubber snake because uh, we had pigeons uh, camping underneath our uh, solar panels and I bought this and thought, ha, ha, ha. They won't come anywhere near it. Well, they became friends with the snake. <laughs> they, they worked out that it wasn't real. But, you know, it's the human reaction. I put this thing out back near the shed near our water pump and when I go out there, uh, sometimes, you know, what's that out of the corner of my eye? Uh, there's a natural reaction uh, that when we see a snake, uh, that, that we, we avoid it, we run away from it. Um, because uh, in the Bible, a snake is always symbolic of uh, that which is opposed to God's work. The snake's always symbolic of a threat, of a danger. It's, it's synonymous with, with the work of the evil one, as it were, uh, in, in, in and through Scripture. Uh, always painted in a negative light. And so here's Moses, throws his staff down the ground, and it turns into something that's a threat, that's a danger. You know, as followers of Jesus, we're called to surrender our lives to him. Uh, and, and sometimes the things that seem harmless to us, if we're holding back from being fully devoted to Jesus, can be a threat, can be a threat to us. Uh, Jesus said these words, uh, words in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35. Then he called the crowd to him with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. But whoever, wants to, whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What Jesus is saying is if we try and hold on, we think by, sometimes we might think by holding back from following Jesus some aspect of our lives or, or saying, God, you can have everything but this, that we're actually somehow uh, saving ourselves. But Jesus is saying, no, you'll actually, you'll actually lose out. You, you won't be better off. But if you go all in for Jesus, you'll always be better off. That's what he's saying. And so uh, Jesus calls us today to follow him. He, he, he reveals himself uh, through the word of God and through the gospel message, which is quickened to us by the Holy Spirit. And he calls us to receive his salvation that's brought by his death on the cross and his resurrected life. He calls us to follow him. But that's not a once-off decision. It's a continual action, a continual attitude of saying, Jesus, I follow you. Jesus, I surrender to you. Jesus, I don't want to hold anything back from you. It's a lifelong journey and one that requires us to continually decide to follow him. Now, we might be tempted to think that we can play it safe and hold back. But what the word of God is telling us is that there's a threat in that. There's a danger for us in only being half-hearted and only partially committed to following Jesus and his work. You see, God redeems and empowers us in our work uh, when we uh, surrender to him. Uh, so here we have Moses again, verse 4 and 5 of Exodus 4. And the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take the snake by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into the staff in his hands. This, said the Lord, is uh, so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. So at this point, Moses became the original Steve Irwin. He's picked up. He's now the croc hunter. No, he's not. Actually, the, uh, the Hebrew says that, uh, it says that he picked up the snake. Actually, the Hebrew word there means he snatched it up quickly. He grabbed it quickly. 
He didn't just casually go, oh, yeah, I know what's going to happen. He's like, I think this thing's going to bite me. It's dangerous. Uh, you know, if you've ever had anything to do with snakes, um, the part that you grab is always up here because that's where the dangerous bit is. <laughs> and so I was always taught on the farm that if you're going to try and um, deal with a snake, mobilise the head, immobilise the head. Um, you've got to be pretty confident to grab the tail. The tail's the safe bit, but it soon becomes dangerous because snakes are really tricky and quick and they turn around very quickly. Uh, so, but, but what that's saying to us is that, that uh, if we commit the dangerous bit to God, he allows us to take hold of the safe bit and use it for his purposes. And so he can immobilise any threat that's there when we fully surrender to his work. Now, God was calling Moses to uh, a, a new work uh, and a new uh, role, uh, but he had a new perspective as well on that, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, now, God had a new assignment for Moses. His, uh, he was commissioning him. So Moses is consecrating his, his work by laying down his staff. He takes it up again with a new commissioning and, and a new task that God had for him, a leadership task. Uh, God had formed him in the wilderness into a servant leader. Uh, previous to that, Moses tried to do things in his own strength and failed and made a real mess of it. And it took 40 years for God to, that working development in him, to become the person, the leader that God wanted him to be. Uh, servant leader. Our servant leadership is a priority for us as Queensland Baptists uh, this year in 2022. And we're, we're developing some, uh, some resources that will be uh, a big help uh, to churches uh, in this way. And uh, two of them, uh, Project 11 uh, and uh, um, Mastering Leaders, Mastering Leadership. So uh, Project 11 is all about developing emerging leaders and giving them resources to be able to grow and develop in their leadership. And Mastering Leadership is all about uh, those that are existing leaders uh, who also already have uh, some leadership experience or some leadership role to develop that further. Uh, so we'll be bringing, there'll be more information coming out about that later in, uh, as, we, as the year rolls on and we, and we launch these things. The thing about this, though, for us this morning is that while Moses was called to something new, we may not be called to a new job when we consecrate our lives to Jesus. He might want us to stay where we are and, and minister where we are. You see, we're all leaders in the space we're in because we all have influence with those around us. Now, you might say, I'm not in a leadership position, I'm not a leader. Well, if you have people around you that you can influence and most of us are working with groups of people, then you are a leader because you have the capacity to influence others. So it's all about how we view ourselves and it's about perspective. Now Moses had a new perspective uh, on his work uh, and this, this passage sort of highlights that. It says this in verse 20. And Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And they took, he took the staff of God in his hands. Notice what he's calling his staff now. He's not calling it his shepherd's staff. He's not calling it the staff. He's calling it the staff of God. He has a new perspective on his work. He's no longer working for himself. He's no longer working for his father-in-law. He's no longer working for his family. He's no longer working for his own survival. He's working for God. His work is an extension of his relationship with God. 
because he's laid it down. He's consecrated it. And God's commissioned him to take it up again with a new perspective moving forward. You see, power and breakthrough come when we surrender our work and our lives together to God. Moses uh, went on with the, the staff of God. His staff is mentioned many times uh, in, in the book of uh, Exodus. Uh, it's mentioned when he goes to Pharaoh. It's mentioned with the ten plagues. It's mentioned at the parting of the Red Sea. It's mentioned as he struck the rock with it and uh, water came out. And so uh, some people might think it's a bit like Gandalf's you know, magic wand or something like that from Lord of the Rings, but it's nothing like that at all. It was just the means by which God was working because it had been consecrated to him. The symbol of Moses' vocation uh, was surrendered to God and for God's purposes. But the particular um, aspect of breakthrough I want to illustrate comes in chapter 17 of Exodus, where the Amalekites, who are representative of all that oppose God and his purposes, attacked the Israelites. It says this in verse 8 and 9. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I, stand, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Now I thought, I'm pretty sure Joshua may have had moments where he thought, let's swap places. You go out and fight these vicious Amalekites, I'll go up and stand on the hill. You know, well, they all had their role to play in this, uh, in this battle that was going on. Uh, the symbol of Moses' vocation and surrender uh, to God for his purposes became the means by which God moved in a mighty way uh, when he was on the hill. Uh, because this, uh, you know, this is a spiritual battle that's going on. It's not just a physical one. Uh, the, the battle over the enemy is not not one in the physical arena so much as one in the spiritual arena symbolized by Moses standing up with the staff of God in his hands raised up and the, as the battle raged down in the valley and so um, they're depending upon God to use the weapons of God are fighting a battle that God's already won but actually bringing home the victory through godly means now, each of us are in a battle, you know, and we may not be fighting Amalekites, <laughs> but there are Amalekites of different kinds. There is a spiritual war going on around us. The people, there's people who have been taken captive by the devil to do his bidding, who oppose us. There are forces at work that we don't see, but we see their influence around us and the way they affect us. Uh, the Apostle Paul said these words in Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, if we're to prevail in this battle, we've got to use the weapons of God's warfare, spiritual weapons, prayer, this word of God, intercession. They are the weapons that are effective against the work of the evil one and so pray, pray, making pre, uh, progress in the mission of God and breakthrough come when we are called by God co consecrated to him commissioned by him but uh, conquerors 
because we're relying on his power and his victory, the victory that Jesus already has won on the cross for us. And so we read this of the account of this battle. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, he took a, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, uh, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. And so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army uh, with the sword. Now we're going to come across uh, Amalekites of many kinds uh, and flavours. And it can be hard work sometimes holding up uh, the, the means of God's victory in a situation. And we can't do it on our own. And that's what this, is, this verse is illustrating, that Moses had an Aaron and a Hur on either side of him, helping him hold his hands up, helping him continue to consecrate his work to God, using godly means to fight a, a God battle, to fight a battle that God had already won, but had to push home the victory for. You know, we're not in this alone. Uh, each one of us need each other to support us in our work, in the work we're consecrated by God to do, the places where God's put us to represent Jesus. Uh, our, our ministry context, um, at the outside the window, as it were. And each of us need, need to be supporting each other so that we can stand and see breakthrough in our workplaces, to see people, uh, to see situations change, uh, to see prayers answered, to see people's hearts softened, uh, to see God move in amazing ways, surprising ways, so that people say, hey, I don't know how that happened, but I, I, I think God's at work here. We can all support each other in that, seeing our everyday roles as God's work places where God would have us representative, places where we're battling with unseen forces, but places where we're not alone in that battle, where we're lifting up our surrendered work to God to see him move in power and to see breakthroughs for the kingdom of God. So I'm wondering this morning um, if, if you'd just stand, if, if we could all just stand for a minute. and I'd like to pray for us. You know, I don't know what's in your hands, and, and, and what it is that might represent what you want to bring to God this morning. But I want to encourage us to have open hands this morning to God. And perhaps in a gesture of openness, to just to put our hands out in front of us and to say, God, yeah, I'm nervous, but I'm laying, laying down the thing that I, perhaps I've been holding on to, the thing that I look for security and meaning and purpose and, and identity. And I, 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 Holy Spirit, I want to give it to you. And I want to take it up again with a new perspective about being your work. So let me just pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your call. Thank you, Lord, for the life you give us, Lord. Thank you that we have a purpose and a work to represent you here on this earth. And I thank you for the, the role that each of us have, Lord. And I thank you for the gift of work, the gift of employment. Uh, the gift of vocation, the gift of profession. But Lord, we want to have open hands. We don't have idols before you, but we want to want to lay down this morning, have an open hand before you to lay down this morning our work to you. 
And Lord, we want to take it up again with a new perspective. Help us to see our work as your work. Empower us in your work, Lord. We pray for breakthroughs in those difficult situations. We pray for for breakthroughs, Lord, in, in those relationships that are challenging in our workplace, Lord, in those situations, those contexts. Perhaps pressure from COVID, Lord, is has, has, has really hard at the moment, Lord, for someone here today. And so we pray for breakthrough as we open our hand and take up again. And Lord, we also want to hold our hands out sideways to support each other. Lord, we, we, want, to, we want to be with each other in this journey so that we don't feel alone. Lord, it can be tiring, it can be hard work, it can be unrelenting uh, to be on, on the forefront of, this, of a spiritual battle. But we thank you we're not alone. So may each of us be an Aaron and a herd of someone around us, Lord, that together as a community we'd stand as one, supporting each other in our work, Lord, in your work, Lord, and seeing others come to know you, Lord, to see breakthrough, Lord, to see your kingdom come with new power and new realities, Lord. And so to that end, Lord, we commit ourselves this morning and pray that you come, Holy Spirit, and fill us anew as we give our lives to you afresh. In your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.